1: All right, first of all, the, the things that are wrong with the Bucks defense is more than one player, right? I mean, it just is. And we'll get into just how bad they have been, sort of undetected a little bit these last, I don't know, four weeks anyway during this four-game uh, losing streak in particular. Because, you know, until they gave up 39 points, the points per game was, you know, sort of top 10-ish. Now it's out of that. But every other category has been really bad. The thing about Saturday's game, when you go back, or Sunday's game, when you go back and watch it, I don't even know what day it is. What is this? This is Monday. uh, The thing is, when you go back and watch Sunday's game, and particularly the second half, (laughs) one thing keeps popping up over and over again, and that's Carlton Davis chasing guys through the end zone. And I just wanted to get a – a good look at, at sort of like the replays. Because when you're doing it in live person, you know, a lot of times the, the guy closest to the receiver, you go, oh, that guy got beat. And sometimes it's not his assignment. You just, you got to know what the defensive call is. Are they zoned? Are they man? Is he outside leverage, inside? Are they playing quarters? What are they doing? What is his responsibilities? And it's not always that obvious, right? This one was pretty obvious. It is exactly how you saw it. And for a change... Todd Bowles confirmed it on Monday. Particularly the you know the game winner to Tank Dell. Uh, there's three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. The last three, all on Carlton Davis, got beat in each instance, uh, including the game winner. And I I'll give Bowles credit because he has been one to not hold guys accountable publicly. I know he does it in meetings and stuff, but he, but usually he defers to, well, we know exactly what happened and we're not going to tell you. This time he said, no, that was his man. That was his play. And he said, you know, he wasn't tired. He says, Carlton's one of our, one of the players we rely on. And he had a bad day. A bad day? This isn't the, the you know, the anthem to friends here. I mean, this dude, first of all, yeah, players do have bad days, and I don't know if anything's going on in him personally, so I don't want to like dump on Carlton Davis all that much right now. But I'll say this when you're getting paid almost fifteen million dollars a year, you don't want to put that on tape, right? Like three touchdowns, including one in the last forty seconds, he allowed other completions in that game too. Um but none of which you were even close to making a play on those receivers, you know. Like, I could have been standing there and watched him catch the ball. Pretty much what Carlton did in all three occasions. And so, you know, after the game, I remember, you know, and Davis was not in the locker room because they have a 10-minute cooling off period. Then I'd talk to Bulls, then i go back, and everybody's gone. Not everybody, but the ones you want to talk to. So I don't know what he'll say. I know he's not happy about the defense in general because they're playing so much zone. And they're playing so much zone. In that situation, everybody plays zone. You just don't want the ball to go over your head. There's, you know, they they have two timeouts. You want to get those, and they got to go a long way. And they need a touchdown to beat you, okay? Which they got with six seconds. But there's a difference between playing zone and then just standing there. You know, like you can play zone. You can allow the ball to be caught in front of you. But then, at some point, when you get to the ten yard line and no timeouts, and about you know, eight seconds left. Okay. Now might be a good time to try to get close to a receiver and make a play on the ball. And they didn't change the defense. So, you know, credit CJ Stroud, like he knew he was doing, he knew he was getting it each time. And he started off very smartly, just get some completions, get things going very Brady like in that regard. And before he knew it, he got him within range. And then the rest, as they say is history, but I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how, how Davis, who's a very prideful guy, um, how Carlton reacts to this when, when we finally do talk to him because, like I said, Bowles has not been one to, to call out players. I'm glad he did. Um, I know he does it privately with guys all the time. But before we just jump off, well, first of all, let's start there. I mean, Before we jump on Davis, there, there's a lot wrong with this defense, and it, and it didn't just start with this game. You know, like Steve, you've seen it like these guys have allowed way too many yards, way too many third and longs, very little pass rush. I mean, it's obvious it's not even though you recognize the names and there's like seven guys from the Super Bowl team. Mm -hmm. They're not playing like those guys.
0: Well, for years, they've been kind of a bend, don't break defense. I mean, the last couple of years. They've given up a lot of yards. Yeah, Not, not like they did on Sunday, but. Yeah. You know, but they were always really good in the red zone. That's true. And they had been this year, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I don't think Todd Bowles and his staff worries about the yards they give up. They don't. They really um, don't. You know, they definitely would like more
1: turnovers. Yes. Uh, at the beginning of the year, they were getting them. And they got a couple in this game. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, the, they could have had a couple more, but, mm-hmm. you know. You'd like to see your cornerbacks get some turnovers. I'd like to see him make a play on a ball. Like, I can't remember, seriously, like I can't remember the last pass defense. Do you know they've had guys guys that aren't just looking for their first interception, right? Ryan Neal is looking for his first pass defense, and he's played damn near, well over 400 snaps. Now, they finally got around to taking him out of the game altogether. You know, after that 75-yard touchdown where he takes that terrible angle and, you know, should have been a 10-yard completion, turns into 75 yards. They just took him out altogether, you know. But there hasn't been, there just hasn't been a lot of lineup changes or personnel changes, you know. And, and I've always thought that they're trying to play their best guys, and that's what coaches will do. Um, but they did get around to putting in D Delaney. And and again, D Delaney didn't make any plays. I'm not sure he screwed up any though. Um, and Neil has been doing that. But you know, just sort of getting back to Carlton, like this is not he's not a zone player. And and if you're gonna draft guys that are long and you know, fast, Carlton Davis is very fast. And are press man guys, it's then you need to play press man coverage. Like and even if you have to play zone over top of it or you're trying to protect certain guys, okay. But like let those corners challenge those receivers. You know? Now again, you're always going to play zone in a you know, back to the goal line, all oh, you got it protecting against a touchdown to win the game with forty five seconds code. You know, that's that's not an unusual call from a defensive standpoint, although you ran pretty much the same defense each time, but I think I think a lot of this is is frustration on Carlton's part and others that you know they're not letting me do what I do best, and you know it I, the numbers prove it that you're not a very good zone player, um, so you know play play to your talent you know be a little more aggressive and see what see what happens because Lord knows sitting back has just not been a very good recipe, you know? And I know why they're doing it, because I think they're protecting the offense the same way the offense is trying to protect its defense. He's trying to play a complimentary style where, look, we may not score a lot of points. So, if we'll bend and and try to limit teams to field goals, and we can stay in the game that way. Like, I get get the overall here. Um, But since they've been three and one, okay? Following the bye week, and they go, went, they've gone through this four game skid. Okay. They've dropped to 29th in total defense. They're allowing 372 yards a game. They're 31st in pass defense. That's a passing league, folks. You know, like, and, and sometimes those numbers are skewed if you're a team that wins a lot because what happens, right? The other team has to throw, so you're going to give them yards. You're not upset about that. And then then you'll look at the rush defense it's like, well, yeah, but nobody runs the ball against us. So, they're, But the 31st and pass defense, and this time it's a legit 279 yard average. 31st and third downs, and that's why there's so many yards and so many passing yards is teams are, conv- are converting 48% on them. And that's all third downs, right? And we've seen the third and 10s, third and 14s, like, and then now, because of the game that they just had, they've gone from sixth in scoring defense to 16th. Right. And that's
0: hard to do halfway through a season.
1: I know. I mean, that's the precipitous drop. So your numbers during this losing streak have flipped on both sides of the ball. We knew they weren't scoring points until Sunday. You know, I mean, they had three, then they had 13, then they had 18. Right. They had many points in three games, exactly the same as they had on Sunday. So the offense we've known has struggled and, and stunk and all that. What wasn't as obvious to me is just how bad the defense has been. You know, just because you look, and, and the number one goal is to keep teams off the scoreboard, yes. Um, but they didn't, they didn't do that on Sunday, and their deficiencies were on display, and those have been there during the whole four-game losing streak. And quite frankly, Carlton Davis is a very, very big part of this, you know. Um, the other corner, of course, Jamal Dean got hurt and was out of the game before halftime. Zion McCallum came in; he didn't play great either. But it was just one—you know—it wasn't just necessarily one player. I mean, you know, Dalton Schultz got, got a touchdown on him. It, it was the old Oprah Winfrey: you get a touchdown, and and it's going to be really interesting because for the first time this year, anyway, Bowls. And I don't know what he could say because it's on tape and everybody saw the game. Bowles was willing to say, yes, Carlton Davis, you know, was bad. He played poorly. These, these are on him. They're not on anybody else. And he also acknowledged that when he's been talking about miscommunications, it's not really miscommunications. i have been kind of using that. He goes, it's not really all communication. He goes, some people are just busting, and it's just as simple as that. We're saying communication, and we're kind of putting a bow on it. But certain people have to play better. It's really that simple. So he was kind of covering them for them a little bit um, and just saying, oh, we got miscommunication here and there. Well, it really wasn't communication. Was just We just sucked. We blew the coverage. So interesting revelations by Todd Bowles, who's not one – he is not the, you know, Bruce Arians type that's going to call you out in the media and then tell you he did it. You know, like he just – that's not his style. But what do you do when it's on tape, right? And here's how you know you've lost You know the war of public relations if you're Todd Bowles and the Bucks. No less than Pro Football Hall of Fame defensive back Rondé Barber, who was on the 33rd Team podcast with Rich Gannon, said, and I quote, to me, this was an embarrassing watch for a guy who studies film, a lot of Bucks film. They look like the worst secondary in football, and they have one of the best safeties in football in Antoine Winfield Jr. Though them some pretty critical words from an iconic defensive back who does break down tape for the Bucks on their website once a week, and it's a painful game to watch, you know, especially when you got three of the four guys back there that wear rings, and Winfield's about to become one of the higher-paid safeties in the NFL, and Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean are already in the top fifteen or so of the corners, and you got to expect more from those guys, and they didn't get it. Oh, but we got more failures to talk about in Tampa Bay sports. (laughs) The Bucs, you know, as bad as they were, the Lightning have said, hold my beer. And we'll get to that in just a second. But first, you know that for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems all through the state of Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. Well, May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and have always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Now, May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. This means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means your roof, your electrical and equipment replacement is all covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees, This policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee as well. It's not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, let's go from one uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer collapse to another one uh, in Tampa Bay sports. This one, the Lightning. When I saw, Steve, that they were playing Toronto, the first thing I thought of in my mind cynically was, they're going to lose in overtime. <laughs> and then I turned the game on. And I had it on for the first period anyway. And they go down one nothing, And then they they just get on fire. And they're up 4-1. to And I have to be honest with you, I thought... This game's over. And I didn't watch it anymore. Snapped it back on between football or at the end of football, and I look, and it's like, what, what? They lost again in overtime to Toronto. This this now is not an accident. This is mental. This is craziness. Yes, teams lose in overtime all the time but my goodness this thing with Toronto is real how do they give this away well
0: how they've done it all year i mean you know john cooper after the game talked about they this is a four game road trip they've got montreal tonight to wrap it up but the first three games they had leads in the third period of all three games they have 3 points
1: that's terrible right they should have 6 yeah
0: they've left 3 points on the table this trip so far I mean, this used to be a team that uh, you took a lead in the third period. They were winning. You know, Now, Toronto's a good team, and they pushed. But, and, and John Cooper talked about the game; They just did stupid things.
1: Are these turnovers? Are these uh, odd man rushes? Like, what, is it bad goaltending play? I mean, they don't have Basilewski back there to close these games out. Or is it just all of it? Really, uh, kind Speaking wrapped?
0: of Vasilevsky, Cooper had some good news on him today. Really? Said that um, if he's not back by December, it would be disappointing, the thinking between Thanksgiving and December 1st. Oh, cool. So you're talking three weeks? Yeah. That's, they think that's, Vasilevsky will be back? Yeah, they can hang on. <laughs> he's doing well? Yeah. Now, and you say that, and you know, granted, it's early, and the Eastern Conference is a log jam. Yeah. But I mean, the Toronto f- had almost the same record as they did. Well, and they have the same amount of points now, but Tampa Bay is the fifth best team in the East, standings wise right now. Now they're tied with uh, some teams and Oh, uh, okay. With tiebreakers and that. But I mean, you know, it's it's not like not like they're they're off to an awful start and are and gonna have to play catch up. But you do feel like they've left points on the table and could be in a much better position they are now.
1: Right. They're getting points, but they're getting mm-hmm. them through overtime mm-hmm. wins or ties and things like that they just they're um, losing
0: their identity at points of games and they've talked about it, Steven Stamkos did, Victor Hedman's talked about it. You know, they they've kind of at points they lose their identity and and start doing uncharacteristic things and the other teams are pouncing on it, taking advantage of it. And it you know, it's a, I mean, you know, Nikita Kucherov probably had his best period of the year. First period, first he was period. sick. He was, yeah, yeah,
1: he was phenomenal. He's had he's having a tremendous year already, and points back to scoring goals. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: like it, you know, it's kind of like with the Bucks, right? Because um, we talk to Bulls, and he, and he'll say the same. He'll go, "Got to coach better, and we got to play better. We just got to coach better and we gotta play better." Like if you know the problem, how come you can't fix it? Right? These are these are guys that played a lot of hockey. Mm-hmm. They have great leadership. Now the defense, to be fair. They've made a lot of changes, haven't they? Well, they have. They've changed their
0: structure. They've kind of gone less man-to-man, more zone coverage. But the other part about hockey, like compared to football, football is, okay, the play's over, offense calls a play, defense calls their defense, and now you read react. Hockey is all about reading and reacting in real time instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. Okay, there's a face-off play called, and the power play, you kind of, but and you have your structure, and you have your, you but know, you this. have rules, you have structure, right. yeah, you, you do have that. Yeah. But, but it's all about reading and reacting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not okay. Six seconds later, we blew the whistle. Okay, let's look over the coaches. Let's, no, it's let's fast. The call game. In the helmet. It's a, let's. It's know. a
1: very fast game, and that puck can yeah. end up in the back of the net yeah. really quickly, like it did. Didn't they score two goals in like eight, eight seconds. seconds? Yes. I mean. Um, that,
0: but it, hockey is much more of a reactionary sport. You know, it's reacting and making decisions in real time, nonstop, until, you know, I mean, until the puck goes out of play or an you know, offside. But, like, last –
1: okay, so last year when I watched them, when I, what, and, I again, novice hockey guy speaking here, but, like, last year when I watched them, it seemed at least early on that their problem was they couldn't get the puck out of their zone. You know, like, mm-hmm. they were struggling a little bit mm-hmm. with zone time. And – that, that transition part, right, where you gain control of it and then can you get it, you know, down the ice. I could be wrong about that. But what is it now, right? Like what – you had to put your finger on something. Is it just
0: – Well, it's
1: a couple things. I mean, they still have
0: trouble clearing the zone at times, and that's usually when teams pounce. Yeah. You know, at the beginning of the second period, the Lightning were struggling. You know, Dave Mishkin talked about it. I was listening on the radio. The beginning of the second period and and forty five seconds in, there was already four whistles and four face offs and this. Yeah. And and every time the lightning would win the face off and couldn't get out of the zone. You know, either weren't hard enough on the puck, made a bad mm-hmm. pass, you know, you know, whatever it was. Right. You know, and, and Toronto started capitalizing on that and started scoring goals to catch back up. I mean, they were down four one at that time. They pushed. Uh over time, their problems are they they don't win a face off.
1: They don't like, have any zone. Yeah, they have, They don't want to face off, and they never get the puck. They don't touch three the local. puck. Yeah, I mean it's, it's unbelievable.
0: I mean, I, I, I didn't see how many shots in overtime tonight.
1: And I can look it up here. How many shots that? So you know, is that which, just that just comes down to one face? I mean, even if you lose a face off, you should be able to regain control of the puck. Well, remember point.
0: it's three on three hockey. Yeah. So there's a lot more space on the ice. It's a little harder oh, I know. to just go steal the puck.
1: I know the whole the whole goal is to maintain possession and and yeah. But let's see. Toronto had
0: two shots in the overtime. So Tampa Bay has been outshot fourteen to nothing in overtime this year. That's not good, right? <laughs> well, you can't score if you don't shoot. <laughs> you can't score now, without the puck. They did hit a post. Oh, okay. It's a miracle, you know. And 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 the other game, not last night, but the. Yeah. Before they hit a post,
1: but that doesn't count as a shot because the goalie didn't have to make a save. Right. But, but it's weird to me because they have they have speed, they have so many guys mm-hmm. that would you would think on a three on three game would would do very well. But if they can't win a face off, you can't get it back, then that's that's your issue. Well, and, and you wonder like tonight. So
0: overtime starts and you put Braden Point out there for the face off. And Grant, I know you want point on the ice. As the he was the faceoff guy. Yeah, and, and you know, he takes a lot of face. You want
1: him on the ice because he's one of your yeah. best offensive. Yeah, you know, he players, and Kucherov but... started the two forwards in overtime. But could you could you mm-hmm. use somebody else like to, just for the faceoff? Well, that's what you want. I mean,
0: point was nine and thirteen in the faceoff dot tonight. Nine and twelve going into overtime. Well, that's pretty good. Nine not nine out of twelve. Nine and one nine lost. Oh, three. nine and twelve. Oh, yes, okay. Yes. I thought you meant nine out of twelve. No, no, yeah, no, that's no. not good. Meanwhile, Glendening was five and three. Sorelli was seven and one.
1: Uh, yeah, you definitely have a better faceoff guy. Out you know,
0: there. Do, do you want to? You want to put someone else out there? And, and if you win the faceoff, you have control of the puck. You could take the guy off. You could take the guy off the ice. Yeah. You know, and you kind of have to wonder: Do they need That's to? So like
1: Stamkos for a while was playing like defense, but just mm-hmm. for the faceoff. Well, I mean, you it.
0: saw him in, in years past; he would do that on on penalty kill a lot. That's what I mean. He'd be on the PK, but yeah. just to start the PK. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the reasons you kind of got Luke Lindening on this team. Mm-hmm. Now Stamkos shouldn't have to do penalty kill. Luke Lindening yeah. Linden can take those face offs and then right, play right, the right. penalty kill. Yeah, and, and you know, so you kind of wonder should should somebody else have taken that open? I mean, I know you want point on the ice, him and Cooch, to
1: start. Yeah, those Your are the two you guys. You get, get possession, to run, I mean.
0: you want them to
1: do their thing. Let's things. go. Yeah. yeah, you know. Boy, it's a bad it's a bad stretch. And and I'm sorry, but like there comes a point and I'm sure everything they that they have done is is fixable in terms of the technique or the whatever, uh winning a face off would help. But now, especially it's probably every team, but now especially with Toronto, there has to be this deja vu all over again, feeling that here we go. They're gonna and Toronto is jumping on that. Like down 4-1 in the first period, they pull their goaltender, and it was early in the first. Like, a lot of teams would just go, yeah, not our night, man. 4-1, first period. Like, mm-hmm. mm. There's got to be a feeling that Toronto has been through this so many times. Like, yeah, we're going to come back, and we'll get them in overtime, we'll beat them. Like, their confidence has to be sky high in those situations, and and the opposite must be true for Tampa.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think I think, it I think just keeps tr- happening. I think Toronto's confidence definitely. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's hard to tell. And you know, look, I, I I didn't think Johansson played poorly tonight, but you wonder if Vasilewski was in net if that game's different. Like, well, you know, I, I, I don't think you I know, think you have
1: to hope it would be different. Otherwise, why are you paying a Baslewsky? Well, that's true, but
0: you know, I mean, you know, John Cooper also mentioned after the game, hey. You know, and and they came back and they scored. Hagel scored the goal with two minutes to go or whatever it was to get a point. But he says, we gave up six goals and still got a point out of that game. That's pretty impressive.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, because you had four in the first period. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, scoring has not really been an issue for this team. I mean, they have the greatest players in the world on offense. And and Kucherov was just, like, stupid good. And now, you know, Point kind of had a slow start to the season with – with scoring goals, that's over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's back. He's back. They could so... use some
0: scoring from the defenseman.
1: Yeah, they could. Well, they, they got took... one. didn't they get one from Hedman? Or well, no?
0: Hedman's the only defenseman to score this year. Sergachev has not. Oh, wow.
1: I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, Hedman's, the, I mean, they've got points, but Hedman's the only one to, to score this yeah. year. Yeah, okay. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. The yeah, Sergachev's you... been scuffling.
1: Yeah, and he gets blamed for a lot of things, rightly or wrongly but um you need him to you need him to step up and be one of those you know the number 2 guy right mhm to victor um that's a weird thing man like toronto in overtime overtime is in general for the for the lightning but cuz they should be a good overtime team like they have all the ingredients for that and even you know a while like a couple of years ago they were like they had a i think they had a really good record in overtime didn't they
0: well the first Uh, Stanley Cup. I mean, they set the record for the most overtime minutes in a Stanley Cup playoff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Whatever they didn't want, they lost one game. I think in overtime that year.
1: Yeah, it was stupid like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and now it's kind of flipped. Maybe somebody was saying, "Well, maybe it's the law of averages." It's like, "Mm." I just don't think they're playing it well. First of all, you shouldn't get to overtime in a lot of those.
0: Well, look if if. You could say they're not playing well, and, and obviously, you know, they're zero and four. The results are bad, yeah. But they've never had the puck. Like I've, they've probably had the puck for a total of fifteen or twenty seconds. But that's in the not playing overtimes.
1: well unless you're just going right. to sign just the face off to it. But, but the
0: hard part is in overtime is you lose that face off. There's so much open ice; it's tough to get the puck back.
1: No, I know. I know. And,
0: and and they
1: just have struggled. And but you know, at some point, the other team's going to shoot, and unless they make it off the first shot, you got to get that rebound mm-hmm. if there is one. And sometimes there's not, and it's a face off, and they still have the puck. So,
0: you know, tonight two guys went for the same guy coming down the ice, oh, and left a guy open in front of the net. Uh, and
1: Yarn Croak got the goal. Oops. Yeah, that's not good. Not good. Well, if they could iron that out, if they could iron the old overtime problem out and start getting two points instead of one, um, this thing would go a lot more smoothly. But that's that's a tough loss. And a great win for Toronto. You know, it was down four to one and pulled their goaltender early in the first period. It was, I could not believe when I flipped, you know, I was watching the uh, Monday night game. And I kind of flipped back and it was like lightning live. And it's like, wait, what, Wait, what? <laughs> guys lost in overtime to Toronto? This is like a cliche. I've seen this movie over and over again. Stunning. Hiring for your small
0: business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
1: Well, there also was uh, some news with the Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays. Congratulations to Kevin Cash. He's now a finalist again for Manager of the Year. He's won this uh, twice, I believe. So generally recognized. I mean, the tenure is now their top three manager
0: in baseball, you think, Steve? You know, it's funny because Kevin Cash has won the Manager of the Year twice. Yeah. John Cooper's never won it in hockey.
1: Really, he's only been a
0: finalist. Never, he's only been a never? finalist once.
1: He's never won it. Nope. You know what? He suffered, and even like back in the day, Belichick would rarely win it, but he has won it before. But you suffer from the oh, but he's got such great players mm-hmm. syndrome, right? Well, who do you think's developing those guys? Like, mm-hmm. that's 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 on the hockey writers. You guys have gotten that wrong. Whoever you are. John Cooper should definitely win yeah, coach of the year. He has
0: never won that.
1: Well, Kevin's going for number three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fifth time in the last six years he has finished in the top three. As he should. Yeah. I mean, that's who he is. I mean, you look at the record. The record is what it is, man. And, you know, one day they'll win a series in the postseason. <laughs> we can see if he can make it back to the World Series. Because his his career will be defined by one moment. Mm-hmm. He's got to get back to a game six, and not take the ball out of his pitcher's hands uh, when they're dominating another team in the, in the World Series. Like he's got to win a World Series. That's got that's going to be his thing, you know. Otherwise, he's going to always be that yeah one of the greatest managers who never won a World Series, but um, he's only been to one so far as well but yeah well deserved and and i i don't think he's going to win who who's the favorite this year for that that award i don't think it's kevin
0: uh i didn't see who the finalists were i saw that kevin was one i mean um
1: I'll tell you who it is here in just just one second. Um, I mean, Bruce, Bruce Bochy's Bochy? going to win. Bruce Bochy's going to win, or Brandon Hyde. Bra- I'll say, say Brandon. Brandon Hyde. I'll say Brandon Hyde will win.
0: I think he. I mean, you know, because it came
1: from a hundred losses a year yeah. to, and it's determined
0: he, before the postseason. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 so yeah. yeah. I'm no, guessing it'll be Brandon, Brandon Hyde. Hyde.
1: That that would be my guess. It will That's not be. Solid. It will
0: not be Aaron Boone. Uh,
1: no, but you do have two managers from the same division, which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Orioles won 101 games, and and I think that was unexpected the way they were dominant. Um, And it's probably a good thing that they took the balloting before the playoffs because they went right down the tubes. Bruce Bochy, by the way, like a lot of people, a lot of people, who do I sound like? You know, a lot of people. um, A lot of people say that of all the managers, coaches, et cetera, throughout pro sports, Baseball probably the manager probably has the least impact. Mm, I disagree.
0: I disagree.
1: Why is Bruce Bochy winning his fourth World Series ring? Are you telling me he just happened to be at the right place at the right? No, Mm-mm. no. I think I you think, can almost make an argument that the baseball manager.
0: He is lives more with those por- guys every day because they play every day. It's it's yeah. not. Like the 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 mental part of the grind of a season—that's
1: the all, all bigger the, thing. All the seasons, it doesn't matter the sport; they're all a yeah, grind. Yeah, no, they are. But baseball in particular—I mean, baseball has its own. It's a special. It's a it, you're running the marathon every day, right? You get done with one, and you know you, you did the New York Marathon. Tomorrow's the Boston Marathon, and yep. so on and so forth. It's just different, right? You live with those guys. Um but, yeah, I mean.
0: Not Koops getting too the, high, not getting too low. Yeah, it's It's about, it's every about process. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's
1: a failure. It's the biggest failure sport in, in, in you know, like I said, the greatest players fail seven out of ten times. How do you handle that? And I couldn't handle it. Like, I couldn't. I beat myself up. I could hit a ball in the screws, and if it got caught, I'm 0 for 1. And that bothered me to no end. Shouldn't have. Nothing I can do about it once I hit it. But but and, and that's why, you know, a guy like Bochi for the Rangers came in there and relaxed those guys and you know, they, they had a kind of a almost cataclysmic end to the regular season where they lost the series in Seattle. They needed just one more win to you know, to get out of the wild card round and not have to play. And they go from that to leaving Seattle and flying all the way to Tampa in St. Petersburg to play in that series. And, and then they were on the road for like a month. Never and lost a road game in the playoffs. It's, it's, I mean, that's unheard of. Like, that's unbelievable to me. And you cannot tell me that, that Bochi wasn't the difference, because he was. And, you know, even though, like you said, the voting was taken before the postseason, but I, I think I think baseball managers, the good ones, if you have a good one, a really good one, but they're saying, well, you know, the analytics picked the lineup, and the, you know, uh, it's, it's still played. It's still a game played by humans who have real emotions and real problems. And if you're going to live with anybody for six months like that, you're going to find out everything good and and lots of bad, and you're going to have to navigate that. And I think that's what Cash does so well is to keep all those guys, you know, part of it and have ownership to it and, and all of that. They also had uh, quite a few players. Well, three in particular did not clear waivers; they were claimed: Jalen Beeks, Christian Bethencourt, and Josh Fleming, all claimed. Really, no surprises there. Oh, catching—you know—is going to get mm-hmm. a lot of attention. So, Bethencourt by the Guardians, Fleming by the Phillies, and Beeks by the Rockies. And so, the Rays get fifty thousand dollars fee from each, or four each from each team that claimed them, and. uh you know, to get space on their 40-man roster. So, I mean, I
0: I, I don't –
1: my heart's not you you going to weep keep,
0: for, You can only keep 40 guys. That's the thing. I mean, you have a 40-man yeah. roster. They had to activate a ton of guys, Shane Boz and many others, off the right, 60-day right. IL, which is why they had to clear roster space.
1: Right. I mean, of all those, Bethancourt would be the one that I think I would miss the most. Mm-hmm. Fleming has been hurt. We never really saw him do anything significant. Yeah, the Rays also um,
0: traded a catching prospect, Blake Hunt. Well, that's right. Who was a potential to be put on the 40-man this year for a younger catcher. It was a what a a high draft choice in 2022. Right, right. Um and and it's just when you have that much good young talent, you have to lose some because you can only keep 40 on your roster.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a tough business. But, you know, Rene, the the Pinto kid that came up, that kind of took Bethancourt out of the picture. And he was pretty good down the stretch, I thought, Renee mm-hmm, Pinto. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at it's this just, point, it's what?
0: Mejia and Pinto as your catchers. That's, that's what I think, yeah. Barring a Which, different move.
1: I mean, they may make a move. Right. And then, of course, uh, more news with Peter Bendix uh, did, in fact, leave the Rays to take over. Uh, a big position was a director of baseball operations or something like that with the mm-hmm. Marlins. Yep. So another Tampa Bay Ray front office dude gets his own gig, man. They're And everywhere. they just keep pumping them out. I mean, they just, they just do. They just keep pumping those, these guys out. It's incredible. But that just goes to show what kind of organization they are and everybody wants what they're having. And why not? Because one of the most consistent franchises and they do it, much more economically than uh, any team in baseball per win. So, uh, yeah, a lot of changes there. Well, uh, we've got uh, kind of a busy week this week. Of course, the Bucks get ready for preparation of their game against the Tennessee Titans. That one is at home at Raymond James to see if they can get back on the winning track. They really need to snap this winning losing streak. We've talked about momentum. Uh, they have none. In fact, they have momentum going the wrong direction, and it's hard to steer that. Uh, when it starts to go, you know, that quickly away from you. So, um, again, a game against a a Tennessee team, they certainly are capable of beating, but they're going to have to play so much better than they played these last four weeks, and we'll see how much pride is over in that building. But, uh, you know, we'll be back over there by Wednesday when they resume practices and, you know, have a chance to talk to, a lot of players about where their heads headspace is at. You know, I was thinking and I won't dwell on this long cuz we talked about the Bucks playing, but the guy that got robbed of his moment by Carlton Davis and and CJ Stroud instead became the story, but the guy that got robbed of his moment was Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield had one of those moments where, you know, and they got some breaks, right? They you had the fumble that Mike Evans fell on and all that to preserve the drive, but we'd have been talking and writing about how this offense finally came alive. Baker Mayfield put up thirty, you know, something points, thirty-seven or whatever it was, and it was the drive, right? Like that—that's the one that could turn the season. Forget that they didn't play well or you know they, they got pushed by a a rookie quarterback, and you know you just wanted the dub. And if you walked out of there with a win, and Mayfield brought you back, uh, and you know, through the touchdown pass with 40 something seconds left. That's, that's his moment. Like that's his, okay, this dude's legit moment. And it was all erased. You know, he didn't get to celebrate that. And frankly, frankly, no one's really talking about it, but he did a hell of a job, uh, to bring his team down there and score the touchdown in that situation. Uh, but it wasn't enough. There's too much time on the clock. So, um, but there's plenty to talk about this week uh, with the Bucks, And, of course, the Lightning continue their road trip. So we've got lots coming up. You can also send in your mailback questions when you want to. I got a bunch of them, Steve, after that game on Sunday, not surprisingly. Of course. People uh, really after Todd Bowles, really want his job. And quite frankly, this is a game that the ownership will remember when they're making those evaluations. We'll see how the rest of the year goes. But if, if there's going to be a, a moment you know where where it went sour, really sour, they'll look back on this game like we talked about it with lovey Smith it was the you like it game uh, in Washington different circumstance they were up big there and blew it. Um, but when he was fired you always remembered that. Um, so this is one that uh, a lot of people were upset about have written to us about we'll get to that and then Matt Baker talks some college football later this week and all the usual shenanigans that we got going on here. We appreciate you guys listening each and every day. Thanks for for doing that. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.